0: welcome to the board game design lab podcast each week we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love and now here's
1: your host gabe barrett what's up my friends welcome to the board game design lab today i'm talking about why game design is important why why what we do this hobby this passion of ours why it matters so much and it's going to be a little bit different because today it's it's just me there's not somebody I'm interviewing or anything like that it's it's just me talking this is something I've I've wanted to do an episode about for for a while now and it, it just fits right now in, in the schedule and the way things are going now is just the right time and so I'm excited to talk to you about that, and I've got some just interesting ideas and thoughts on, on why what we do matters so much, why it's more than just uh, the normal hobby, why it's not just going out and playing around a golf or, or build model trains, or you know, something like that, all the different hobbies out in the world, but why the one that we have chosen, the one we are putting so much time and effort and energy into, matters. Why, why it's a big deal. And so I'm excited to get into that, but first I want to talk a little bit about the BGDL and where we are right now. You know, this was just an idea I had about six months ago or actually the idea came about a year ago and then six months ago I really decided okay let's let's do this let's let's get the prototype on the table so to speak let's get it out of the notebook out of my head and let's turn this idea into something real and let's just see what happens let's test it let's play around with it let's iterate and see what works and I have just been blown away by the last you know four or five months of of being able to do this and do this podcast and so many amazing people I've met and just it, it blows my mind the the designers and the publishers and the people in the board game industry I've been able to meet and interview and talk to about different things. And I am just astounded by the emails I've gotten from so many of you guys and just really encouraging stuff, you know, tell me about different things that you're struggling with and different challenges you're facing and different ideas for podcasts and, and all sorts of really, really amazing stuff. I've even gotten some really good feedback on things I can do better. You know, people sending in and saying, hey, uh, why don't you try this or have you tried this over here? And it's just been really great to... Uh, be able to grow and to learn and to just try to make this show better and better and better. And I am super, super excited for the future and, and where we're headed. You know, where we're going is more, th- more than just a podcast. It's more than just uh, a website. It's it's mo- it's way more than that. I- I've already uh, been working on some different partnerships. For instance, last week, you know, we had the, the show with Mike Mahilsek from Coalition Games and, and talking about the partnership with Coalition that the BGDL has and just trying to offer you guys value. You know, now you, you get a discount on all their services and the really cool stuff that they offer over there, and I'm I'm working on other ways to provide you guys value. So it's not just content; it's not just really good content that I'm at, that, I, that I'm after. That I'm trying to interview, you know, awesome designers and learn from them and all that. I want to do that for sure. But where we're headed is, is creating strategic partnerships to save you guys money on different things to help you in different ways, talking to people that edit edit rule books and do you know help with Kickstarters that do printing that do manufacturing, all those different things that go into this hobby and trying to build relationships, build partnerships so that everybody wins. So that, you know, we, you know, as the designers can maybe figure out some different things, save some time, save some money. And then those other those partners, they get business. They get new clients, that kind of thing. So everybody wins. That's that's where we're going. Also working on some different products. Uh, for you guys, just different things that'll help you design games better, or help maybe encourage you, or keep you encouraged, or different things uh, that, that are fun. Some different game design related things that are just kind of fun that uh, you know might be kind of cool to have just to sit on your desk or to hang on your wall. So working on all sorts of really cool stuff, things that I really uh, I'm excited about, and I hope you guys will be excited too when we start uh, talking about those down the road. And if you've got any ideas on things that that I could do better or ways that the show could improve or the website could improve or or different things you would like to see done or different partnerships you'd like for, for us to make, please send me an email. Please let me know those things, and I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I can start working on those different things. Because at the end of the day, this is about you. This is about this community. It's not about what I want necessarily. It's not about what I think is best. It's what we together think is best. And so actually I'll be sending out a survey sometime over the summer. Uh, just to get your thoughts and opinions on, you know, different things, different ideas. Uh, One thing that you'll notice is going to be different starting this week is that the bonus rounds are going to change. You know, it's kind of funny. I was actually going to just quit doing bonus rounds. I was just going to kill that idea. It's something that, you know, the idea originally was to get people to go to the website and to figure out the website was this really good resource and had tons of links to tons of different uh, blog posts and links online and different uh, articles about game design and all the different things that go along with that. Well, the idea was to get people to go to the website. And doing the bonus rounds uh, and driving people to the website, that was that was the goal. But it didn't really work. <laughs> people haven't really gone to the website for those reasons. And uh, the downloads of the bonus rounds have, have been pretty low. And so I was just going to kill it. Until I was talking to Seth Jaffe from over at Tasty Minstrel Games, and, and I was interviewing him, and uh, that, that's an episode that will be coming out this summer. And we got to a certain point, and he, and he asked me, he said, hey, what's what's my bonus round question going to be? And I said, well, well, I'm actually, you're the first episode, and I'm not going to do one anymore. I'm just going to kill that. And then he offered up all these different ideas, different suggestions, ways to do it better, do it differently. And so I'm going to try one of his suggestions. So So thanks, Seth. Appreciate the idea. And we're just going to start releasing the bonus rounds on Friday. So whatever the the bonus question is uh, for the podcast on Wednesday, I'm just going to release that on Friday. So that will start showing up in your your iTunes, on your podcast, catcher, all those different things. It'll show up on the website. And so you'll have that. Uh, And it's just another thing, you know, just some more content. Uh, at the end of the week. So now you'll have the Monday email with all the resources and different things online that I've found from the previous week, the different blog posts and articles about game design. That'll be on Monday. Wednesday will be the podcast, the main episode, and then Friday will be the bonus round. And we'll see if it works and if it doesn't then we'll try something different again we're still play testing a lot of these different things we're still in the prototype stage for some of this and so you know please send me your ideas please send me your suggestions or things you think uh, don't work or things you think really work well and, and send send me that stuff as well tell me if you if you like certain things that way i know that people enjoy it you know a lot of times we we only tell people stuff when we don't like it you know we only leave a review when we hated the book or we don't like the game at all we'll leave a review then but let's make sure we're leaving good reviews, too, for people. And and if you got some good things to say and you you think that the show is doing well in certain ways, let me know. Not to pad my ego, not to make me feel good about myself. No, that's not what it's about. It's to let me know that we're on the right track. It's to let me know that the things that we're doing are what you guys want. And that's ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about helping you, helping all of us, make better board games. Because, again, games matter. And and let's just dive right into... The heart of what this episode is about is board games matter. Board game design is important. You know, we're we're not just at the country club playing around to golf for a few hours and then going home and, and that's it. This, this is more. There's more to this. And what I want to do right now, I want to play you a story. This is something I sent in to the Dice Tower podcast a while back. I guess like two years ago at this point. And it got read on, on the air, you know, Eric Summer in his amazing, you know, angelic voice. Uh, he read the story and I was super excited, super pumped that, that they chose my story as one, one that they would read. And I think it speaks to the heart of what I'm talking about today and why my game design is important. So I just want to play that story for you right now. And then, and then we'll jump back into it.
0: We often play tales that make people angry. If you get angry at this next tale, then you have no soul. Exactly. Tales of Amazement During the summer, I lead mission trips for high school students to serve the homeless in Atlanta. One of my favorite things we do is cook up a big helping of pancakes and sit down at one of the local soup kitchens and eat with people. we found that more often than not, People are hungrier for conversation and interaction than they are for food, and it's amazing to sit and listen to the stories they have to tell. One hot summer day, we headed downtown with enough supplies to feed around 100 people. We had never fed that many before, but we always took more than we figured we needed. However, when we arrived at the soup kitchen, the parking lot was already packed with people. I don't know why that particular day was any different from all the other days, but I knew we would be cutting it close on having enough food. We headed inside, and the students started cooking and setting up. After about thirty minutes, we opened the doors for the people outside to come in. The parking lot had swelled with even more people, but the good news was that we still hadn't quite reached one hundred people. Just in case, I sent a volunteer out to buy more pancake mix and supplies. The students started flying around, They were serving coffee, passing out plates of pancakes and, more importantly, sitting down and talking with people. As time went by, more and more people were coming in to eat. We handed out the last stack of pancakes as a wave of fifteen more people walked in. This was not good. I called the volunteer who had left twenty minutes ago. No answer. I walked up to the front of the room and got everyone's attention. I thanked them all for being there and explained the situation. I assured them that more food was on the way, and we would be serving again shortly. A collective groan went through the room. Though the people there were homeless, many of them had jobs to get to or places to be. They came expecting to eat breakfast, and now there was none. I understood their frustration. I remembered when I had lived on the streets in downtown Atlanta. I thought about the times soup kitchens opened later than they said or didn't open at all. I remembered standing in a parking lot for hours to only be let down and have to find food somewhere else. My heart sunk. But then my phone rang. It was the volunteer. He had gotten lost but had found the grocery store and would be back in just a few minutes. That was good news, but we would still need time to cook. I needed something to help pass the time. One of the men who helps run the soup kitchen walked up, and I asked if he had any ideas. He brought out a big cardboard box and said, These were donated a few days ago. I opened the box to find board games. Jenga, Connect Four, Battleship, and the like. I looked at the guy with a puzzled look. You think this'll work? I asked. It's worth a shot, he said. I went back to the front of the room with the box. I got the people's attention once more and asked if anyone wanted to play a board game. There was a long, silent pause while they looked at me like I was a little bit crazy. But then, a man in the back of the room raised his hand. He said, I bet there isn't a person in this room that can beat me at Battleship. A woman across the room chimed in. Bring it on, chump! She walked up to me and took the game. A table of people next to me asked for a box of Jenga, and a young man walked up to get Connect Four. Slowly but surely, the box of games emptied. And the room was filled with games, laughter, trash talk, and the unique sound of Jenga blocks crashing to the table. A little while later, we started serving pancakes again, and everyone that walked in the door was fed. But then something strange happened. No one got up to leave. Normally, people eat, hang out, and talk for a little while, and then leave. But on that day, folks just kept playing games long after they were done eating. They were simple, mass-market games, but they had tapped into something that had been missing from the lives of the people in that room. Ever since that day, every time we go to that soup kitchen to serve pancakes, we make sure to have plenty of games with us. And I have to say, there are few better sights in this world than seeing people sharing a meal and playing a game together. It might just be pancakes and Jenga, but there is something special about getting people to the table. It takes people from all walks of life and shows them we're really not that different. All anyone really wants is someone to eat with and share stories with. Someone to talk to and share life with. Someone to make them not feel invisible. I'm not going to sit here and say that board games can solve homelessness or anything. But maybe they tap into the thing that does. Huzzah. That's right. Say something bad about that one. No. No arguments about that one. I wish I was there to see this. It's cool. It's a great idea.
1: It is cool. All right. So I've seen firsthand just how important games are. How important game design is. You know, that's that's one of my favorite things to do in the world is to go to that same soup kitchen and and serve up a bunch of food. And just play games. We've got, I think, 10 or 12 different opportunities already scheduled for this coming summer of just times where we're going to go down there and, and just have some fun. And we're we're doing a little bit more than pancakes now. We've upgraded our game, stepped up our game to uh, chicken quesadillas now. So we're going to make some quesadillas and have some chips and, and salsa and stuff like that. And we're going to play games. We're, we're going to play a lot of Jenga and, and chess and uh, battleship and these different mass market games actually I'm looking into some some good party games you know games that aren't difficult to teach or difficult to learn uh, but you can play with a lot of people have a lot of fun i'm thinking maybe you know, Spyfall or you know some of those games like that and i'm just excited about hanging out with people that are going through a very difficult time you know going through just as bad a time as you can imagine and just for a moment, you know, giving them the opportunity to forget about life, forget about whatever is going on outside, right? Whatever's going on outside that soup kitchen, you can just forget about it for a little bit. We can sit down, enjoy a meal, have some fun, get to know each other, tell some stories, and just play some games. You know, I've seen just how powerful games can be in that situation. And I'm willing to bet that you've seen games have a pretty big impact on people as well. You know, whether it's your family or people at your game group or, maybe, you know, just yourself. You've seen how games can do things that that other creative um, creative media can't do. You know, I've never gone to an art exhibit and then left that exhibit closer to my family. You know, I've never read a book and then built really good relationships with really good friends because we were all reading a book together. Like, it just doesn't work that way with other media, other creative ventures. But there's something about games that not only do you get to enjoy a game, but you get to engage with it, interact with it. And you're interacting and engaging with other people there at the table. And it brings everybody together. There are people that have met and fallen in love and gotten married and had kids because they met at game night or they met at a game convention or they met on board game geek or whatever you know there there are kids in this world now that would not be here if it weren't for board games there are people that are married now people in relationships people you know all over the world who know each other who are friends because of board games because of, of getting around the table and and sharing an experience together you know building up a game group building up all these different things and, and it's just mind-boggling if you really sit back and you think about the power that games have. I mean, it's it's this amazing emotional, spiritual, you know, mental thing. And then also physical because it brings you all together around the table. And it's just, it's just amazing. And so thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for being a game designer. Thank you for being somebody in this hobby, in this industry, in this thing that is board games and that is board game design. Because the work you're doing matters. Even if your game doesn't, you know, go on to get published and and sell a million copies and, you know, be in the hotness of Board Game Geek or whatever, please understand that that what you're doing matters. You know, I've got a game that I designed a while back that's honestly not very good. It's just not a very good game. It's fine, but it's not good. But my kids love it. They love playing this game. They think it's a ton of fun. They, They ask me all the time, hey, can we play this game? And it's never going to be on a store shelf. It's never going to be, you know, picked up by a publisher. And thank goodness, because people think I'm an awful designer. But my kids love the game, and, and it gives us an opportunity to sit down and, and play this game. To, you know, get off the computer, get off the phone, quit watching Dora the Explorer on TV, and just play a game and, and just have some fun and be a family. And so, you know, don't think that you're a failure just because you haven't gotten a game published yet. Don't don't feel like, oh, well, I'm, what am I really contributing contributing to the hobby because, you know, all I've got are these prototypes. Just keep fighting. Just keep working because what you're doing matters. And just always remind yourself of that because I understand. It can get really discouraging sometimes. It can get really hard because you just keep grinding and a design just doesn't want to work. Or, you know, you can't find a publisher and, and people keep telling you your game is good but just not good enough. And all those things, just keep fighting, keep working because what we're working towards Is something bigger than ourselves. It's something bigger than just this little game project. It's something bigger than that, right? So just keep on fighting it. And always remember that you're really just one idea away. You're one good idea, one good game away from something really, really special. If you think about it, you know, years and years and years ago, sometime in the, I don't know, 90s or whenever, you know, Klaus Teuber had an idea, just this random idea in his head and it became Settlers of Catan, Right? So that one idea became Settlers of Catan, which has kind of sparked this incredible game renaissance that we have. One idea became one game, became way bigger than that. If you think a while back, Matt Leacock had an idea, and it became a game called Pandemic, right? And how many people have played Pandemic? How many people have sat around the table and tried to save the world, right? And they've succeeded and they failed, but at the end of the day, they had fun doing it, they were interacting together, they were engaging together because of one idea of a guy Way back when that became a board game called Pandemic, Rob Davio. A while back he had this crazy idea of what if what if a game remembered the last time you played? Right? What if what if a game, you know, didn't just start over that what if it started from where you left off? And that became a whole new genre of games, right? And all these new games that are coming out now, and granted it's not that many yet, but just think about one idea became one game became something much, much bigger than that. So keep fighting. Keep working. Keep grinding things out. Keep, you know, fighting those challenges. You know, so many of you have sent me emails about your challenges and the things you're struggling with and the obstacles you're facing. Keep fighting. Because one idea can become one game can become so much bigger than that. So I just want to share a few stories with you. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I'm a big fan of stories, especially if you listen to the Rob Davio episode, and I really got to kind of share some stories and relate them to design. That's one thing I love to do is take normal life, You know, stuff going on and relate it to creativity, relate it to design, relate it to things that we can learn from a bigger picture about different things. And so just want to share a few stories with you, things I found interesting, things that that I was able to laugh about or or just learn some really cool uh, things from. And one of them is, okay, so I live in Honduras and there's a road close to my house that it's a pretty busy road. Uh, There's a lot of buses, a lot of traffic, you know, it's a road I have to drive on a pretty good bit. And it's the most interesting thing in the world. I drive this big truck. I've got this big Dodge Ram, and it just doesn't fit on the road. It's a six-lane road, right? There's three lanes on one side, then a median, and then three lanes on the other, right? So three and three. But the three lanes are really two lanes wide. Like, it's really not wide enough for three cars to be there at the same time, especially not, like, with buses and trucks and things like that. And so come to find out what it was. It used to be a four-lane. used to be two lanes on each side. And then with all the traffic and all the new apartment buildings and new developments and different people living there and all the traffic that came with that road, they decided we need we need more lanes. We need to do something to uh, to make less traffic to have you know for it to be less congested. And so they decided instead of actually widening the road, instead of like tearing up the sidewalk and the curb and actually extending a lane on each side and making it a true six-lane road, a three by three road it would be a lot easier just to paint over the lines and then repaint new lines. And when we repaint new lines, we'll just paint it like it's a three-lane road on each side. So they basically just made a pretend six-lane road. It's really a four-lane, but it's a pretend six-lane. And so if you try to drive on this thing... It it doesn't really work, especially if you don't have like a little tiny car or a motorcycle. I mean it just it just does not work because the lane the the road is not really six lanes, it's four. It's just pretending to be six. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, this this has some interesting game design correlations because there's a lot of times where my game just won't work the way I want it to. It, it just it just won't be hitting on all cylinders. It's just not quite what I need it to be. This mechanic is decent, but it's just not quite right. And I know I need to just overhaul it. I know I need to just rip some things up, throw it away, tear it up, do some different things, and widen the lane, widen the road. But I just don't want to because it's going to take a lot of work and I've got to make a whole brand new prototype. I can't just tweak this prototype. I've got to like create a whole bunch of new stuff and do all these new things and try this new stuff, and I just don't want to. Can I, can I just like find a way to make this a pretend six lane? Can we just pretend like it's six lanes? Can we just pretend like... This mechanic works the way it's supposed to. Can I just make a few changes in the rule book and and it be okay? No. The answer is no. It's it's unequivocally no. It's not going to work. It's going to (laughs) be really frustrating to people who actually have to drive on that road or have to play this game because I didn't go through the time and the effort and the energy and the work to do what needed to be done. And so if you're in a place right now and you're looking at that game and it's on your shelf and you're like, man, I just need to overhaul the whole thing, just do it. Just take it off the shelf throw it on the table and cut it to bits. Do whatever you got to do to to make it better. And yes, it's going to be a grind and yes, it's frustrating and annoying. And especially if you're like far along in the playtesting and you're like kind of it's going and going and going and then boom, it's not working. I know that can be hard cuz you look back on all that time and effort and all the hours of work you put into it and you think, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to I don't want to do this again. I don't want to go through this again." I promise it's worth it. I promise it's worth it, because again, game design matters. This is something bigger than ourselves. It's more important than than just the hours and just the time we put in. It's bigger than that. So whatever you gotta do, work on the road, right? Don't just pretend. Don't just paint over the lines and repaint new lines and pretend oh, everything's good. No, don't do that. Do whatever it takes to make that game better. All right. Second story. So I love thrift stores. I love going to thrift stores. You know, when when I'm back in the States, I love going in seeing if I can find some fun t-shirts or just really cool stuff. I love to see what people have given away, right? Just what people have donated and and what they used to own. And now I get the chance to kind of buy it for a quarter, right? It's just this interesting system we have in the States of, of thrift stores and and a while back, this is a few years ago, I was at a thrift store and I was looking around and I was in the, the trophy section. There was this huge section of all these like old little league t-ball random trophies. And I was looking through them and I found one that I just had to buy. One, it was 50 cents. So how do you, you know, too good a deal to pass up. But it was the craziest thing. It was this little tiny trophy and it was for a math competition. And on the face plate, it said 2001 Tampa Bay Invitational algebra division seventeenth place a seventeenth place trophy like, i i still have it it's 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 in storage somewhere but i got it it's a, i own a seventeenth place trophy and that blew my mind that there would be such a thing like why in the world does this exist why did why did up to number seventeen at least get the, a trophy like who gets a trophy for coming seventeenth and at first i thought well maybe You know, maybe there are a ton of kids at this algebra competition, right? Maybe there's hundreds of kids. And so top 20, yeah, you know, awesome. But then I started thinking, you know, the Olympics, that's that's the whole world. And they only give out the top three for an event, right? And so 17 plays is just kind of ridiculous. And I realize now we live in this kind of era of, of participation trophies, and and everybody gets a sticker, everybody gets an award, everybody gets a trophy, we don't keep score, you know, all these things that are ridiculous and not at all like real life at all. They're not at all like reality, and I get that. But let's just be real. 17th place is not a thing. That means you lost, right? That means there were actually 16 other people that lost better than you did. They were ahead of you. You were the 16th loser, basically. There was somebody that won and then everybody else. And that's just life. And even with the, if you look at creativity and design and board game design specifically, there are no awards for the 17th place game design, right? If you enter your game into a competition and you're not at least in top three, you, you got no chance, right? 17th, nobody cares. And if, if you have this design that's, that's a 17th place caliber, 17th place quality design, nobody's going to care about it. It's not, that's not good enough. You know we live in this age of really, really great games, amazing ideas and themes and mechanics and everything coming together to make amazing experiences for players. And so, if your game is a 17th place game, you you got to get back into it. You got to work harder. You got to work a little more. You got to do some more play testing. You got to do some more prototyping. You got to add some things, change some things, work some things differently because 17th place is not. It's just not going to cut it. Now, if you can have the 17th ranked game on Board Game Geek. That's different. That's not what I'm talking about. You kind of understand what I'm saying. If if you have a 17th place caliber of a game, right? I'm not saying 17th in the world. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, Because I mean, heck, if you if you can break the top 100 in board game geek, you've got one of the best games ever. But I'm saying, if you have a game that is worthy of a 17th place trophy, then you got you got to work a little harder. Because good is not good enough now. And and so, whatever game you're working on, I just want to encourage you: work a little bit harder. Go a little bit deeper. Grind a little bit more. Do a little more playtesting. Do whatever you can so that your game becomes as good as it can be. Because if, it, if it's not really good, it's going to be forgotten. Like you, you might do a successful Kickstarter and you might sell you know, a thousand copies or a publisher might pick it up. But if you don't have a really good game, it's going to be forgotten almost immediately. It's going to be a flash in the pan and it's going to be nothing. You're not going to get a second print run or anything like that. It's going to be a blip on the radar. And that's not what you want. That's not what I want. You know, we want to make games that are as good as possible. We want to pursue excellence with everything we do. And so whatever it takes to learn, whatever you need to work on, whatever people you need to be around, whatever you know, designers you need to talk to at a convention and, and pick their brain and get their ideas and thoughts, whatever you got to do, work as hard as you can to learn the business, understand the game, understand the rules of the bigger game, not just your game, but the big game of board game design. And then surround yourself with amazing people, brilliant people that are going to help push you to become the best you can be. They're going to push your game to make it the best it can possibly be. Because that's the age we live in now. That is the era we live in. 17 plays is not going to work. And so, whatever you got to do, just keep on fighting. All right, third story, final story. And this actually is something that happened to a good friend of mine. It's a former boss, former mentor good friend, and years ago when his son was, I don't know, three, four years old, something like that, not very old, big enough to to kind of run around, but not quite big enough to understand that maybe he shouldn't just take all his clothes off and run around naked, right? And so that's what he would do. He would run around naked and, and at the most inopportune times, of course. And so my friend was having this big dinner party, this big get together. His boss was coming. you know colleagues were coming. This is a big deal. you know you gotta make a good impression you want you want everything to be perfect, right? The food's gotta be good. family has to act right, you know everything needs to be just the way it's supposed to be and so <laughs> everything was ready food was was almost done. The table was set. everything is perfect, and the doorbell rings. And my friend, he's, he's walking to the front door. He's going to answer the door. You can see through the window that it's his boss and his boss's wife. All right, so everything, okay, we've got to be good. And as he's getting to the door, he, he kind of, in the front of his house, he kind of had this like foyer section of his house that had like the stairs that led up to the upstairs. And, and his son is standing there completely naked. He He's just, he got no clothes on. Clothes are nowhere to be found. They're not even near him. And at this point, my friend is like, "What? What? What? What are you doing?" You know, he's just kind of losing his mind. But you can't lose your mind too much because your balls are at the door. And so he he kind of just like is quietly yells at his son, like, "Go put your clothes on." And as his son turns to run up the stairs, my friend just pops him on the behind, just like one little pop. You know, just kind of give him a little motivation uh, to do this. This this is real. This is the real deal. I'm not joking. Go go put your clothes on. Pop right on the right on the backside. And as he did, as he popped his son on the behind, his son pooped in his hand, for real, seriously, this, this totally happened, his son pooped at the at the same moment, I guess, I guess the the, the scary, like it startled him to, to feel that pop on his backside, and I guess he had to go, and he pooped right in my friend's hand, and so at this point, my friend is standing there, right next to the front door, his boss, and his boss's wife are on the other side, waiting to come in, and he's he's standing there with with turds in his hand, right? Like nothing in life prepares you for this moment. Like nothing in life previous experience. There's no previous experience that's going to prepare you for this moment of this magnitude, right? Where your boss is at the door, dinner party is about to happen, things are going on, and and you got a big handful of turds. And so he just made the best of it. He kind of you know ducked in the bathroom real quick and and. Threw it in the toilet, washed his hands fast as he could, and then he came back out, settled down, calmed himself, you know, breathe, open the door. Hey, sir, how are you? Come on in, you know, and made the best of it. Now, sometimes life poops in your hand. Sometimes you know things are going, and and everything needs to be great, and you're working, you're working, you're working, and you're doing all these things, you're doing everything you know to do, and then life drops a big handful of turds, you know, big pile of turds right there in your hand, and and you just got to make the best of it. Right, you might be about to meet with a publisher. You might be about to go through one of those publisher speed dating events. You might be about to sit down for an interview. You might be about to do all these different things. Sit down for your first play test, right? And everything needs to be perfect. And you're excited. And you got these people coming in to play your game. All this, and then life just takes a dump in your hand. That's the way it goes sometimes, right? And so if that happens, I just want to encourage you: stay calm. Just don't panic. Don't lose it. Don't freak out. Don't don't you know get crazy, angry, and and yell and all this. Don't flip the table. Just breathe, slow down, calm down, go wash your hands, come back and make the best of the situation. So anyway, I hope you found something encouraging in all of that and and just remember, no matter where you are on your game design journey, please remember that what you're doing matters, it's important. You're bringing people together whether it's just your play group, just your family or, you know, who knows, maybe thousands upon thousands of people all over the world are getting together playing games having fun, getting to know each other, building relationships, and a whole lot more than that. Game design is important. Never forget that. Just keep fighting, keep grinding. All right, so thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed this show. It's a little bit different. We'll be back to the the normal interview style show next week. And I'm about to head over into the bonus round where I talk about the right tools for the job. So using the right tools, the right resources uh, to get the job done with whatever you're working on for your game. So thank you so much for being part of the BGDL community. I'm so excited about what the future holds, about where this whole thing is going, and I am, I'm just so thankful that you're along for the ride.
0: Thanks for listening. Find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at BoardGameDesignLab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?